So you know I love how every <laughs> single time I do a video of you doing something stupid, you like get all like ticked off at me. <laughs> You do stupid things. Yeah. <laughs> I was also th getting cracked up that you disconnected us earlier, and then you about flipped the table over on us. So that's <laughs> excellent start this morning. Tax, tax collectors. And then to embarrass our friend Chad, <clears throat> when we do, they do the gunshots in the opening, they're doo, doo. I want him to like flex his muscles because he does that. We should Ooh. go to the range one time muscles. and just actually. <laughs> All right, right Mountaineer let's Kingdom. We, let's see if we do this talk. Right. Real men, manly talk. Wow, yes. Got it right the first time, nice. except you were talking. <laughs> so the goal is to now never get that correctly. <laughs> uh. So we've been talking last couple episodes about it's the importance of being a king to man, standing up for principles, uh, but we can't do that unless we have a personal relationship with Jesus. And what great timing. We just went through Good Friday, tomorrow's Resurrection Sunday. So we thought we'd talk about salvation and the importance of of everything Christ did on the cross, not just biblically, but historically and medically, which all ties it back into the biblical side of it. Um, the day I got saved and the day Jesus found me, absolutely the greatest day of my life. It's the most important decision you will ever make. And after researching this and diving into what he went through, um, yes, um, I just can't express again what what all he did and everything he suffered just so i could have a better life what am i missing this is such a serious conversation but i know you're losing it for so what are you losing it about no clue <laughs> oh he's got the smurf voice it's just, it's just the joy of the lord yeah evidently like you're like jesus could save you and jared's over here losing it Oh, the Baptist. No kidding. <laughs> Boop. All right, so you good now? He's good. Okay, we're going. No edits, people. We're sorry. Yep. Um, Straight through. We'll do it live. <laughs> oh, the Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah. Um, this all kind of started a couple weeks ago in your class when we were talking about the benefits of the cross. But before we get to the cross, there was some things that happened in the garden that kind of that stuck out to me. Um, and if I put my notes in order. We'll get it right. And it, kind of this started when Jesus went to the cross. He had, at that point, 12 disciples because Jesus hadn't betrayed, betrayed him yet. But he took three of his closest friends with him, which were Peter, James, and John. And we'll just reiterate, if you're going through something, you don't have to have a huge group. But you need a small group of dudes uh, and some buddies that you can rely on. Amen. So always kind of gets me through. Um, one of the things that I, I took from the prayer in the garden was... How many times you went away and prayed? And there's been things that I've prayed for in my life. I'd pray once and I'd, then I'd move on. But here's an example of Jesus prayed, went back to the disciples who were asleep, goes back and prays the exact same prayer, comes back to the disciples, goes back a third time and prays, comes back to get arrested, and probably would have continued praying that prayer if the, the high priest didn't show up to arrest him. And, of course, here's... Puts foot in the mouth over the top. Peter cuts his ear off, cuts the guard's ear off, and Jesus puts it back on. And the thing that stood out to me in this moment was, if this wasn't, do you not think at any time I could call on God and have 12 legions of angels come in to protect me, which is, I think, ends up being 60,000 angels. There's, what, 5,000, 6,000 soldiers in a legion, a Roman legion. 
to segue into what he goes through from this point on from so what now he's been up 36 plus hours from the previous morning without food without sleep he's getting arrested he's going to be interrogated all night no sleep no rest drug along and we were kind of talking earlier the some of the problems that come up in our lives and here he's already his disciples have left at this point he's all alone he's facing all these things and it just kind of reminds me in life that yes stuff gets hard we get persecuted to extent but what he's about to go through is that's persecution to to the extreme i look around for comment and everybody's like mm. um no i'm just trying you know, visualizing all this while you're while you're talking yeah i mean he's he knows exactly what's about to happen and that's why he's praying you know he's he's asking prepping yeah he's saying god god if you could take this cup away from me if it be your will but nonetheless your will be done yeah and, so uh, so one, one interesting thing is that, that I heard the the guard that Peter cut the ear off was a guard from the priest. Mm-hmm. And had his ear have remained off, Peter would never have made it to Pentecost. Hmm. Tell me more. Because attacking a, a priest guard would have resulted in he himself being crucified right. because it was a crime against the priesthood and, and, and a crime against a, kind of a high-ranking Jewish person. And had his ear have remained off, it had been evidence that Peter had struck him and caused bodily harm to him. It would have been like attacking a secret service agent in today's terms. Yep. So the fact that his ear got put back on with no scars or anything like that what would he have done to the high priest, but gone in and said, no, he, uh, he, Peter literally cut my ear off. It, it was in my hand, but Jesus put it back on. I'd like to see a study of what happened to that guy and his spiritual walk after all this. Yeah, right. The Chosen will probably cover it. That'd be kind of cool. Interestingly enough that you say that, there was a moment in, of all the disciples, and actually I think we're all kind of drawn to a figure. I don't want to say a character in the Bible, but a person from the Bible Peter's always been my guy. I mean, I can't think of, and my wife could probably tell you how many times I've said something stupid or put my foot in my mouth or acted before I thought, and then I regretted it and have to make up for it. Uh, And Luke, before this happens, um, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, you will strengthen your brothers. So not only is him cutting the ear off, what Peter's about to go through as he follows Christ up to the high priest's chambers, um, it kind of reminds me of the Job situation. You know, Job went and said, hey, remove all these hedges and then I'll, I'll be able to get to him. Well, Satan's already asked and he's got permission because he's already predicting that Simon will turn away, but he's also going to turn back because of what Christ is about to go through on the cross. So that reminds me of my life and everything that I've done in rebellion. Christ took all of that on to bring me back into his fold, to adopt me into his family. Well, well kind of the, the, the where my head was at with talking about the Peter and, and the ear was Jesus, even while getting arrested and knowing what the next really 24, 48 hours is going to bring forth for him, Mm-hmm. still knew that if Peter were arrested that that would have caused a major setback in mm-hmm. in getting 
the good news preached to the whole world and that Peter was really one of the main apostles that kind of helped spread the word of God throughout the known world at the time. Because God is the beginning and the end. You know, he, he saw all these things happening mm-hmm. and it was like split second decision-making. Like he, he knew, okay, so I'm not just going to heal the ear because I want to show my goodness and how I can heal. There's a bigger mm-hmm. thing at play than just healing the ear. And that's, that's just, that's really <clears throat> amazing when you think about, and even when we, when we get to the point of the cross, how <clears throat> we were just talking about the thief. Jesus is dying on the cross and, and agonizing pain. Still thinking about thinking of others. You, you mentioned being a fan of Peter, and we see a shift in his personality in Scripture, where up until the point of him denying Christ, he's very bold, very defiant, mm-hmm. very in headstrong. your face, headstrong. Yeah, and then you see later humility when Paul comes up to I think it's. James and Peter, who are the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, after Paul's run around to the Gentiles preaching the message. And he's like, look, this isn't required. And it was, I think, the topic of circumcision. It was, yep. And it's amazing that we see a headstrong person who is now literally redefined by Christ and having been alongside of him through, through his path. And then all of a sudden you see him humbling himself and being... Uh, deferring to the authority of Christ and the the authority of what Christ did instead of the religious way that mm-hmm. that he knew. It reminds <clears throat> me of that quote from Jordan Peterson. Um, Dude's awesome. When and I don't know if he has found Jesus yet, but when he he does, the works that Jesus can use through him it reminds me of the quote he did when he was on uh, I think it was Rogan was we should be vicious monsters, but we should contain it and have control over oh, yeah. it and learn to act when it's necessary. Kind of reminds me of what you're talking about with Peter. Peter is still that same personality, but he now has Christ to help him control that and to use that for the, the benefits of the kingdom. I love that that concept. It better be a warrior in a garden than yes. a gardener in a war type concept. Right, right. Like it it's <clears throat> it Sorry. we have to be strong. We have to be courageous. We have to be powerful. And on guard. Well, but we have to also temper that. You have to be a dangerous man that has that under control. Otherwise, we get yeah part of the culture we have today where we get bowled over and, well, our dudes are trying to turn into girls. <laughs> well, we're, again, where are we spending our time? Are we spending it with Christ? Or are we spending it socially and away from things of God? Um and to set the scene here a little bit, because you mentioned uh, the power of Christ. Go ahead. I was just want to say one thing about uh, Peter's walk. It's it's a it's a really great um, description of you don't have to be perfect in your walk with Christ. You know, Peter was continually growing <clears throat> until he reached his final you know point in his life. You know, a lot of people think when you become saved, it's going to be an automatic. You know, I'm going to stop cussing, or I'm going to stop my drinking or gambling or this and that and the other. Some people are delivered like that. You know, when I, when I got saved, my cussing went away completely. You know what I mean? But uh, some people aren't like that. There's, there was an older gentleman in our church. He was, uh, <clears throat> he's in the Navy. He said he cussed like a sailor. And, uh, but he also loved tobacco. He said the cussing went away. 
But man, did I love chewing tobacco. Yeah. And not to say you're going to go to hell for, for tobacco, but eventually you're going to be convicted of that. That's not good for your body and stuff like that. But it's just interesting to see, you know, Peter all through this time, he's, he's battling, you know, and his, his personality, he was still loving the Lord and following, but he still had these, these, these setbacks, you know what I mean? And God still used them. Well, he, what do you go from <clears throat> get, getting called or getting called blessed are you, Peter, you're going to be the rock that, or this, the foundation, this statement of foundation that the church will be built on, that he is the son of the living God, which I think it's three to four verses later, he gets called Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. He's at the transfiguration, and then God shows up and says, no, you need to just listen. And But he's blessed to be there to, to see this. And it's he. I'm bold enough to walk on water, which he, two or three steps on water, he actually walks on water, and then he falls. It's like he's always getting, it's, it's like he knows God's will, he just doesn't get God's timing yet which is important. You have to have both in order to, to follow through the kingdom. Here's my plug for the chosen. The scene, how they depicted that was incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Gut wrenchingly painful. And the way they tied the story together was awesome. And going through a major battle right yeah. there. Go watch it. I need to get on season three. I'm almost on season three. I'm, I'm playing catch up. <clears throat> that was a powerful scene. Oh, geez, man. Like Peter steps out on the water and he's so mad because of some of the circumstances that were tied to the story. He's like, why did you leave me? Why did you leave me? And then Peter slips and then they step into the boat and Peter's just like gut wrenchingly crying. Like, just don't let go of me. Don't let go of me. Like, and Christ has his arms around him and it's just such a beautiful scene. And then his wife is tied into it as well. It's, right. it's spoiler. Oh, she's man. being baptized and cleansed and saying, God, don't let, don't let go of Peter. You know, she, at the same time. Yeah. It, well, and he, at this point, he's still Simon. He just, and Simon means pebble. He's not Peter the Rock yet. Whoa. Didn't know that one. That's a knowledge bomb. Yeah. Simon means Peter, and he doesn't. No, Simon. Or, Simon means pebble. Little and rock. He gets renamed later on. Uh, so let's go back to the garden real quick. Um, and I did not know this. So it says that he, before he gets arrested, the site he must have already been before he gets arrested. And it says that great he sweated great drops of blood, and that's only mentioned in Luke because he's Luke is a physician, which we realize I think it's Corinthians four and fourteen. Um, it says Luke the physician, so we're getting a doctor's perspective of this. So let's let's go down the line of medically everything Jesus went through to to an extent. Great drops of blood has only been around. I think there's only been twelve cases of it in the history of humanity, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. Hermatodrius, Hermatodrius, and what it is is we have blood vessels near our sweat glands, and only under extreme anxiety, stress, or torture, where those blood vessels pop. So when we sweat, the blood seeps through the sweat pores or through the glands. Um, so this happens. Jesus gives up praise, walks over, he sees the high priest coming with their soldiers, and. One, he's already covered. That never says he wiped himself off. Never said that he's cleaned himself up. So here they're approaching Jesus, and he's covered in blood and sweat. And it's got to be dry because it's in the cool of the night. So that's going to uh, slow the blood flow down. So just to see him say that, or to to see his appearance like that when they come up to him, and then he asks them, like he starts the conversation, "Who do you seek?" Well, you we seek Jesus of Nazareth. He says, "I am He." And the scripture says that they took a step back and fall. They fell down because that's interpreted to I am. Mm -hmm. So here he's covered in blood, dry blood, probably cracking at this point. What a sight. Then he uses his actual name, I am. 
and they step back and fall down. Mm. He's set. He's he's setting everything mm. in motion, and he's still looking out for Peter. He's still healing and making sure that everything. I'm getting chills. Making mm. sure that everything is going to go to plan. Dude, when you said that, I got the scene from uh, the Lord of the Rings when Saruman falls, and it just <clears throat> like the whole thing shakes, shakes down. It's like that's the Great visual baby. I got, man. Just mm-hmm. you have no choice but to bow. To get, get knocked down. You remind me of a Samwise. That's great. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the other thing that stood out in that prayer was, and this breakfast. is one, <laughs> one of the things that I think we've been talking about to an extent. And he, he's praying. He goes, I love, sanctify, sanctify them with truth. Your word is truth. So if, again, if we're not in a relationship with Christ, and we're going to explain why we need to be, and we're not getting our truth from our, the, the only source that is true, no wonder society is going off the rails. Yes, I, I was going to speak about that last week uh, about, you know, when people are, are seeking for something, they have that big void. It's because they don't have the truth in them, you know, and we know that this is the truth. God is truth. Jesus is the way and the life, life and the truth. Uh, if you don't have that, then you're going to have true joy. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're seeing all these things people are saying i'm not who i am because i don't feel happy maybe i should be this and then you have other people speaking in their lives lies saying well maybe you should do this maybe you should be this and the truth will set you free not physically but your spirit free if the truth will say give you freedom and say you are a child of god you are created in his image and the true joy comes only from god and that's that's where we're, we're lacking in our society today, they're trying to just rid all truth. I mean, they're really I, well, trying they're to change the definition. Truth. Right. They're trying to change the, de- the definition of truth to their truth. I'm living my truth. I can't stand that phrase. Mm-mm. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. There is no my truth. There is the truth. Do you know how long I thought wrestling was real? <laughs> that was a lie. <laughs> Last well, week, right? What? <laughs> WWE, man. That's fake. And the truth shall set you free. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just saw uh, an interview the other day. Um, I can't oh, remember, yeah. I can't remember who was doing the interview, but this this transgender, I always get him mixed up because you never know what's what anymore, but some, I think it was a man trying to be a woman, saying that, you know, two plus two doesn't necessarily have to be four anymore. It could be relative. It could, it could just mean five now. What? It's, okay. This this is what they're trying to do: change all truths. <clears throat> it's relative truth is some of the the root of issues that I'm dealing with, um, it, because it's just it depends. It depends on how you feel. Your mm-hmm. feelings are the compass that we use now to guide whatever direction you're going. Um, I don't want to get hung up on that. I love the idea of talking about freedom, Mm -hmm. the freedom that we get in Christ. I think it's something that's lost because if you're not a believer, you believe that faith is this religious discipline. Right. There's something that, well, I can't do this and I can't do this. And you were talking about, well, you can't cuss, you can't smoke, you can't do this, you can't. All of these can't, 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 can't. And that has become the focus of our faith with religion. Religion is not our faith. And the freedom that we have in Christ comes after we surrender. And you don't just surrender one time. Right. We have to continually surrender. Uh, we have to continue, continually put to death ourselves and allow Christ to influence us. 
it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? That love that verse because it's the pure definition of who we need to be. And to experience that freedom that comes from Christ, we have to relinquish ourselves. Otherwise, we get in the way. Jared, I see your, the, your wheels turning. <laughs> so, so kind of carrying on with this thing of freedom. So, like, for 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 you guys that know me, I'm I'm very analytical, and no that way. also like <laughs> that helps me like what? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> see, I got so, called analytical, and I'm like, okay, no, I'm not, that means. not an analytical person. But like, <laughs> so 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 what that it, it has its benefits to that is I'm able to kind of see things in in, in a different perspective than than maybe most can. But it also has a lot of problems with it. So on my way over here, I've been struggling a lot with, with a lot of things going on at work. And um, over the course of driving over, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me that what I'm dealing with is actually unbelief and lack of faith hmm. and doubt, which is all tied into unbelief, right? And uh, I had a coming to Jesus moment driving over. And where I was, all right, God, forgive me for this. Forgive me for the unbelief. Forgive me for the doubt. And the over the where I overanalyze and really internalize a lot of stuff. What that is is me saying that I know how to do it, and God, you don't. I kind of had an aha moment last night with the same concept with pride, mm-hmm. and I, I have a lot of pride in what I believe is my job and responsibility as father and husband and especially the father role um, and it's almost as if my pride is getting in the way of letting God do what he needs to do like I have assumed this ownership role of what I'm supposed to be doing and I almost feel like God, and I don't want to assume, but it, it's saying, dude, you need to get out of your way. I'm the type of guy, man, that I can solve any problem. You put something in front of me, and I'm going to be able to figure it out and do it. And this situation that I'm currently going through, I can't figure out. There's not any workable solution, and any solution I've tried to implement has failed miserably and gone down in flames and made the situation ten times worse. And it's it just so frustrating for me because I've been able to do anything set in front of me except this. And I, and my pride, I believe, is what's getting in the way because maybe it's not for me to do. Maybe that's what I'm learning in this season of life is that I have to let go of all things and trust that God is sovereign over all things. And even though I've been given something within my domain of responsibility, even that, I'm a steward. As, as men, as husbands, as fathers, we are stewards of the things that God has given us. And it is our responsibility to be good stewards of that. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, all that we have belongs to God. Yeah. Well, it's just prayer. So when we talked about it earlier, Jesus prayed. If there is a, if there's a plan B and if, there, if we don't disagree, if we don't fully agree on this, just we'll, we'll chat it out that if there's another alternative, if you can remove this cup from me, remove it. He prayed it several times, came back, prayed it several times, came back. <laughs> So there is no one more in the spirit than Jesus, right? There is no one more obedient to the spirit, but he's still just having that conversation with God. And what he does is a little bit different. When I submit, I do it a little bit differently. And I'll explain in a second. But he ends up going back and saying, okay, the third time, okay, not my will, your will be done. 
So when I, and that's, that's true submission. It's whatever the will of God is, is what we're going to do. If there's something like, it's almost like setting a new year's goal, new year's resolution, which uh, that's just a money scam at this point, but <laughs> I'm going to get in shape this year. God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm going to, I'm going to live my life for you. I'm going to not do this. I'm going to not do this. And I'm going to not do that. But I just said, I'm going to give it all to God. And then I'm telling God what I'm going to, how I'm going to fix it. That's not submitting. That's me telling God I'm going to submit. And this is how I'm going to submit. No, just oh, submit. Wow, yeah, all right. I have a question. Question. How do we determine the will of God? Through prayer, understanding him. I mean, that's how I do it personally. Patience. And then well, here, patience and waiting. Patience. Here's, here's why I bring it up. You guys ever see the TV show Vikings? History yeah. Channel did it. It was awesome. They did such a good job with it, and it wasn't like Game of Thrones porn type stuff. It was just really Vikings. solid, good Viking stuff. Mm-hmm. It didn't have the HBO. I'm just laughing that you raised your hand like that's where that cracked me. Up. <laughs> <laughs> and about took out the mic. <laughs> I did. I took my fingers out. Anyway, so there's a scene in that where this dude who's the the king of the English people, and he basically makes a decision like. Hey, I'm, we're going to take over this kingdom. And he says, God wills it. And everybody, God wills it. And I'm sitting in Afghanistan watching his movie. And I'm like, dude, that's the dumbest thing ever. Just because this dude's field says, I want to take over a country. Now, all of a sudden, God wills it. And it made me wonder how many times in the scheme of humanity have we said, God wills it. Like, we assume we know God's will based off of our own ambition. And even in our personal lives, how many times have we determined the will of God with without consulting God or even knowing. So there's an, an Acts 5 after, uh, I think Peter does, because it's in 4, Peter does his sermon. Or, I mean, again, what a turnaround, what a transformation for Peter. That it's Gilamesh, Gilamiah, I forget his name. He talks about, uh, so the Pharisees and the Jews were still trying to stop the apostles. And one of their own brethren says, well, if this is of God, you're going against God, but if it's a man, it's going to fail. Um, and this is why I like Peter. Peter was always doing something. He was always kind of stepping out, stepping out, stepping out. It wasn't until his transformation that he kind of stepped out in more patience and faith instead of just hitting his head against the wall and seeing what worked. But I, I find that I'm in, uh, for me to understand God's will, and everybody, of course, speak up, is... I pray about it, and my thought is, God, I'm going to step out and do this. I don't. If I'm wrong, it's not of an offense, but I want to. I want to move for your kingdom, and it, typically that that works out for me. It's I, I have that conversation up front. Is I'm going to do this, it, and if I'm wrong, correct me, and He will, of course. But if if it's not, then let's keep moving forward because I'm trusting in You, and this is what I'm getting in response. I so, think it's a good tie into where we're actually going to go with this thing. It's a, that's one of the other benefits of the cross. <clears throat> I'm not really going to cover it today, but just another benefit is when we try to think that we can do all these things on our own. That's where we're 100 percent wrong. Mm-hmm. It was it was Jesus dying on the cross that gave us grace. Mm-hmm. Jesus became grace, and there was no more need of, well, I'm imperfect. I want to do better. I want to do sacrifice. I want to get all these things. Blah blah. Do it on my own. It's impossible for us to do on our own. I, I forget the actual scripture reference, but uh, without God, we can do nothing. And you break it down to no thing. We can do no thing without God. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he became grace. So now we have, okay, we're going to fail, but grace. 
Oh, we can't abuse that grace. We can't just say, I'm going to go fail because of grace. If I fail, my intent is to not. Yeah. Right. So, so one of the one of the big things. This is something I've been studying a lot of is the will of God. Is how you get there is by meditating on the Word, medit- meditating on the on the Bible. Now, what we don't preach and teach today is how do you actually meditate on the Bible? I, I knew, oh, right? I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> so, so that's what our mind instantly goes to, right? When 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 you're when you're talking about meditation, and. Uh, <laughs> It's it, it's a new age type of word that should only be done with listen to Yandi or whatever that new age like. <laughs> I need my Reiki crystal. Yes, and but but what it is is it's, it's taking scripture, taking a specific scripture, and reading it, reading it, speaking it, and getting it into your into your spirit. And uh, he's doing it quietly this he time. He did good. I was waiting for it. I'm like, how hard am I going to laugh when I hear that? But it, so so that so that's the first part of it is to whatever whatever it is that you're struggling with, you find the scripture to back that, that gives you the promises in the Bible from God. You meditate on it. You you read it over and over again. You speak it. You you get it into your in your mind and in your spirit, and then the Holy Spirit will um communicate with your spirit. And then you'll be able to hear from the Holy Spirit what the will is for, for the next phase. I'm not saying I'm an expert at it. No, I'm learning yeah. this. And this is something that I've, over the, over the last really month, month and a half, really been focusing on trying to, to get my spirit in tune with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that uh, meditation or, or pausing or waiting. I mean, you see it in Psalms, the word Selah, or uh, meditate on this. It's because you're reading the words. And now stop and pause and meditate on what was just said, what you just read, because those are the words of God. And so you're, you're just meditating on those things, letting it sink into your soul to marinate, if you will, so yeah. that you are fully saturated with the word of God. Yeah. And, I, th- and I think part of it is, especially right, so if we ask for the answer, we're asking for, and, I, and I've been guilty of this. I'm like, hey, I'm asking God a question and I'm waiting for an answer, but then... I'm listening to other things. I'm listening to music and I'm listening to a book or I'm on my phone. It's like, I'm, I'm asking questions, but I'm not taking the time to act, to listen. Ooh. So we were talking before we started about the busy thing. We're so distracted that we don't have time. Well, how can we hear his voice if we're on other things? Cause it's a soft whisper. Why do you think that Christ disappeared to the wilderness? Mm-hmm. To get away from the noise where he went in this prayer. And if we do need to get back into the, it, yeah, it, hand, it, hand it, this. Interestingly enough, that's that is the um, that is the whole reason why like I took Enzo to the mountains Thursday night was my head is so just jam packed full of crap and uh, so Enzo and I went and spent the evening Thursday night and and the Friday morning just hanging out by a campfire and by the time we got in the truck started heading home things just started coming to me. I got to see a lot more clear. And then by last night, there was a whole lot more clear. There's something to be said about that. And Christ gives us the example. And again, that's really how we forge this relationship. Guys escaping to the wilderness where we could hear and not be distracted by everything that gets in the way. Um, I wanted to bring up a couple of things. One, you were talking about that, and they tie together. You're talking about 
Christ bleeding as he was crying. I don't know if you guys have ever had those moments of tears where your entire body is trembling and everything is shaking. And I've been there more over the last couple of years than I ever dreamt was possible. And the, the physical thing you feel when your whole body is wrenching in tears and sorrow, it's awful, man. It's absolutely terrible. Um, and it's happened to me more times than I care to remember, but it sucks. And I can understand and appreciate more of what Christ went through because I've had a slight experience of what pain and sorrow feels like. In the same token, one of those things that I did during that season was the alms, the meditating on scripture. I, I couldn't sleep. I was sleeping like maybe an hour a night and this went on for maybe, I don't know, six, nine months. And I would just put psalms on and I'd push the play button and thank God we have these cool devices that have the Bible right there for us and I would listen to psalms over and over again and every once in a while I would wake up in the middle of the night and I could meditate on that psalm that was being read aloud and the idea that I could focus on scripture and meditate on truth because so much untruth was coming into my mind it was something that grounded me that meditation constantly seeking back and there were some scriptures that I came across especially in Psalms where I would just take that one verse and speak it to myself over and over and over again and it was exactly like David explains your word comforts me as I lay on my pillow at night and I'm soaking my bed in tears and your word comforts me it soothes me it doesn't provide an answer it doesn't provide the solution right. but it's comfort mm -hmm. and the cool thing is is that in the story of Christ he is the word and you know he understood the deference that he had to have for the father yeah. as part of the hierarchical structure of who he did and who he was and what he came to do and understanding that he set the foundation for eternity mm -hmm. yeah, well, he, he is he the word the and the holy spirit is the comforter i mean everything everything i mean it's just amazing <laughs> it's all there you know so, so last oh go ahead so last night um to tie back into we're talking about the holy week this week i was been super busy at work and have to work a lot here lately so la last night at work I, I, I walked out my office door walked in the back parking lot was working on something came back uh, to that same office door and it was one of those doors where the handle turns from the inside all the time whether it's locked or not and you can go outside and I came back and went oh no it's locked and I checked every other door and I locked every other door because usually when I'm there late by myself it's in a part of town there's some homeless issues so you always want to lock the doors when you're there late at night by yourself thankfully I had my phone in my pocket I called uh, one of my employees and he, he lives pretty close he's actually a, a listener of our podcast and enjoys it so shout out to Sean Hi, Sean. And when he pulled in, at this point, I'd have been outside about 20 minutes in the cold. I got some medical stuff. Probably shouldn't be standing there that long. Probably shouldn't be in the cold that long. But when he came around that corner, because I, I was, was in the Holy Week, and I was like, Hosanna! <laughs> Hosanna! He's here! Hosanna! <laughs> and he's laughing, and I'm laughing. And then I, and I looked at him, and... and and it hit me right standing in the parking lot after all this. 
And I said, you know what's really crazy, though? I was just saying, Hosanna, that, that you had pulled in. I said, now, if this was the, the real case, when you come back to work on Monday, I'm going to kill you and crucify you. <laughs> yeah. I, I said, we literally went from this guy being led into this city on this day saying, oh, the King of Kings, the Lord of uh, Palm Leaves are waving. Yay, he's here. And it was those same people. The same stinking people, mm -hmm. just a couple days later, that were shouting, crucify him, mm -hmm. put him to death. Give us Barabbas. It's mind-blowing to me that those are the same people within that short amount of time that went from, man, this guy is the king of kings and the lord of lords, Hosanna. Thank God he's here to kill him. And there's or, a pattern of that. Hold on. Put him he, on the cross. He knew I had. Hold on. <laughs> so the study that I just did, you're exactly right. There, there were a lot of people that were saying Hosanna, Hosanna. Then three days later, Kill crucify him. him, crucify him. But in this, in that scripture context, at that moment, Hosanna <clears throat> was meaning two different things. Some people were were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. He is the King. He is God. <clears throat> Praise him. The other other half that were unsure, they thought he was still Jesus the prophet. Were saying Hosanna, which also translate to God save us. So they still were saying that he might be of God, but of the prophet. But some were saying he is he the is Messiah. God. So they were a mixture of Hosanna, Hosanna's in there. So I, I believe that the people that were saying that this is our Messiah were not the ones screaming crucify. The other ones were swayed by other people in their lives saying this isn't the Messiah. This isn't who you think he is. That's why they're screaming uh, crucify him. That's just a side note because I just wanted to, when, when, I, when I'm learning to teach, I find things really, really interesting when yeah. you get a little bit deeper into it. So there's actually two meanings of Hosanna in that, in that one verse. And uh, I just thought that was cool. It just baffles me to this very day when you go through and read that. Like, But it's all through history. Wow. And next time, raise your hand, please. I did. <laughs> I did that. Um, <laughs> we talked about it with the, Red, the parting of the Red Sea. They're getting fire by night and wind by day or cloud by uh -huh. day. And then they doubt, and then it, it's it's going from is or Egypt. They're believing, they're doubting. They're and when do we not do that? And this goes to show. So there's we're going to move into the scourging part because this I re restudied this and it absolutely was heartbreaking. Wait a second, I think Jared had something. He slowly moved the mic yes. to his mouth, and he, then you changed the topic, uh, and he went. <laughs> but he didn't raise his hand. He didn't raise his hand. No. But it's. I it's, gotta fix that mic afterwards. How? You you've literally like took all the. No, don't touch it. Just leave it alone. <laughs> all the little rubber bands that hold it, like so, it's not getting the vibration. I'm noticing that you took it all off when you beat that poor thing. I right, go ahead, Jared. What do you want to share in there? So so kind of in, in the same in the same vein of of like the Hosanna, and then three days later, four days later, they're screaming crucify. So the Pharisees all hated Jesus because he rocked everything that they had been studying and, and, and what they had taught and what they were teaching. You you find it interesting that Jesus was crucified on Passover. Mm -hmm. And the moment that he died was was it the same during the same hour that the priest would be sacrificing the lamb in the temple. Mm -hmm. And if they would if the Pharisees really struggled with um with who jesus claimed to be in the natural you would have thought they would have never have arrested him 
and had him crucified on Passover because they didn't think about it. They were blinded mm-hmm. by it. And then he was in the grave during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the leaven is a, a symbol of sin in the Old Testament. Yeah. So that's the reason why you had, after the Passover, you had the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was to take sin out and have sin separated out from, from your life. And then was resurrected on the, the Feast of First Fruits, which all just ties into okay. prophecy and, and then just how all the feasts point to Jesus. All this is to be done so that it might be fulfilled. Prophecy well, it's, God be fulfilled. Of, it's God of order, right? And I was going to say, so we're, we're, we'll jump into the scourge now because I want to I want to get to our, what he what he went through on the cross. So we're about to see a 700-year-old prophecy fulfilled right now. And Jesus set this in motion and prophecy is being fulfilled throughout this entire it was in isaiah 52 and 14 his form will be marred beyond human likeness so how do how, what happened there have you guys seen the roman uh, flagrum the the whip that was used mm-hmm. have a picture here and we'll probably try to get that posted on the video it was had a short wooden handle uh three to four short leather thongs and uh, had a leather grip on it in the Braids that would hit you were, think big red lead or lead sinkers, and it was it had um, metal thorns uh, or spikes, and then it had uh, sheep bone. And what it would do is the lead balls would loosen the skin, loosen the meat or the the muscle, so that the bones and the metal shards would rip the flesh. Some even used hooks, and they called this thing the scorpion. Okay, one, one whack. So there's three to four cords on it. Let's just say there's one cord. One whack of this thing medically would leave a cut two inches long and three quarters of an inch deep. It would take 18 stitches to sew that up. When you have 39 lashings, cause in uh, numbers, I'll have to figure out what scripture that was it talked about there were 30 or 40 less one lashings is what they would receive well this is by roman soldiers this isn't by jewish people so we don't even know the number of lashings he actually got uh if it's in there correct me there i have no issues with that but and there was a guard as the centurion in charge his purpose was to just watch and call a halt to it when the guy was near death so here's christ almost near death now if he actually let's just say he got only the 39 lashings from and it was from shoulder to the heel okay it would take over 2,000 stitches to sew him back up to get the flesh back together and the entire time he did this this is the part that this just goes through my mind he didn't say a word never said a word I'm not saying he didn't uh, grunt and, and I'm not saying he didn't make a sound but he didn't say a word in protest this is the guy the son of God who at any time could call on 12 legions of angels for the Father to send down and put a stop to all of this. But he didn't. Because Scripture says that by his stripes we are healed. He was pierced for our iniquities. His blood is what, the resurrection of the blood is what saves us. Everything he is doing, he has us in his his mind mind. because he's going to redeem us now. And... Let's let's just keep talking about. He w- probably was escorted two and a half, three ish miles tops, being interviewed that night and interrogated that night. No sleep, 
no food, already going through his enough anxiety and stress that he's sweating blood. And then he gets half or all of the flesh on his back ripped off. That's going to take 2,000 stitches to get this guy back together. And he's not even had to carry the cross yet. And that was all for us. That was all for our healing and all for our health and all for redemption. Mm-hmm. And, oh man, I just got to think about this for a moment. <clears throat> he took our punishment. And we look at it as a historical, he's a historical character. So there's a lot of factual information that says he's historical. At this point, if he was just a, a guy that thought he was a son of God, would he not have said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I would have saw the whip and be like, you know what? I was kidding. Yeah. Right? No, 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 I don't want nothing to do with that. But he he handled it and took it in silence. Nick, you mentioned something about the people out there. I can't remember what it was a few minutes ago. And all I can think about is, I am they. I can't tell you the number of sermons that I've heard where those people out there, those people have done this this thing. And, man, that's the the Bible is meant to be used as a mirror for ourselves so that we can see what we're supposed to do and then more reflect the image of Christ and the idea behind I am they is so huge especially when we consider this Mm -hmm. because there is no other than Christ we are all they we are all the reason that he went through that that's huge and we're just getting started He's just getting started, and he's fulfilling prophecy the whole way. I found this one interesting. So once he's flayed, uh, he's scourged. Um, he they put the, I think it's the tipla. I think they, the cross beam is called a tipla, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering that correctly. And think <clears throat> of an old like a um, railroad tie almost. They could go up to a hundred to a hundred and fifty pounds. That's strapped to him on all of that open flesh. You ever seen a railroad tie and all the splinters and the charred wood? And you know it's recycled. It's not even a brand new beam for him. He's using somebody. Somebody else was already crucified on this. And this he's wasn't a sawmill to, cut piece of yeah, wood. Yeah, it's just rough cut. They got to get this. They got to get this moving. Well, this was in actually also prophesied a thousand years, and it was in Psalms twenty two sixteen where it says, "And he would be pierced in hands and feet." Interestingly enough, the prophecy that said that he would be crucified invented crucifixion because crucifixion didn't come around to a hundred years later because it was started by the Persians. So the Mm. prophecy that says, Hey, you're going to be crucified also predicted the creation of a crucifixion. I thought that was a God of order. You know, things are, things are in place and the crucifixion can last anywhere from three to four hours to three to four days. It depends on how bad they were beaten during the scourge. And Jesus is, everybody knows was in his early 30s 33 when he started 30 33 when he started ministry so he was a young man we know he was an early riser he walked everywhere he went he slept outside he was in good health well he didn't last but hours on the cross when some people go three to four days on the cross and what once the nails come in and i was as a kid always believed it was through the center of the hand well in Psalms, it also says that not a bone of his body shall be broken. Just mm-hmm. like the sacrifices from the Jewish custom that it had to be a flawless animal. No right. bones are going to be broken. So that's why we know Jesus never had a broken bone. And the guy was in, or the son of God was in such control that 
yes, he was in all this pain, and yes, he was going through all these terrible, terrible things, but he's still in control because he there's these he's fulfilling prophecy the entire time. Um, Ryan shared this past yes. week about a, a doctor actually talking about the the medical aspect of it. I've got that pulled up. Yeah. Let me show this real quick. So instead of here, they said the wrist would have been here before we watch this video. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many tiny bones in here. Now, granted, the Romans have done this. They've perfected this type of execution. Regardless if it was here or here, which I believe it was in the wrist because yeah. that, that was considered part of the hand, mm-hmm. that one, the nail, unless he was also tied to it, the weight would, would rip right off. out. Would ripped off. Yeah. Um, but it was here, and then they would cross the feet, and they would put it uh, in between both legs, and that I forget what that bone's called, and they would purposely put it to hit nerve endings so that it was the most excruciating pain in the body. Cue well, Nick. Okay. And this will be up in the bottom. Anatomically, right. we consider the wrists as part of the hand. And so uh, with the placement of the nails between the radius and the ulna, at that position, it, it still fits, fits the definition of being in the hand. And it's in a position in which the nail won't rip out which you have to have, you have to have a solid point of fixation. Uh, another interesting point about the placement of that is the median nerve goes right straight through that particular uh, 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 portion of the wrist. And so there would have been uh, either destruction of the nerve or, or impingement of the nerve that would have created tremendous amount of pain so that every time you try to take a breath, you'd be, it'd be agonizing. You'd be pushing down on spike feet, which of course hurt, and then you'd be hanging on spiked arms. And so you alternate from excruciating pain to excruciating pain every time you take a breath. And every time you'd have to, because you're, you're, you're hanging there and your lungs are being compressed, you would have to pull up and push up to even take a breath, let alone say something. And he said seven things when he was on the cross. That you know the, the not a magical number, but the heavenly the, number, heavenly number of God is seven, and it was always about fulfilling or the comfort of other people. The cross was definitely designed for torture because you just said about the lungs. I mean, he was alternating from excruciating pain to excruciating pain, but also in the midst of hanging from his arms, his lungs were being actually spread apart, not allowing him to expand. Mm-hmm. So you're. And then you push up on the feet to try to alleviate that. And every time he would, that open flesh in the back is scraping, scraping. against that. The entire time. Um, mm. And the, the seven things, you know, before the last things we say on people's deathbed, they typically say the most important things. They're not worried about things they didn't do. Or if you get that chance, you're saying something to your family or, you know, you're, you're, you're blessing them or pray for it. I mean, you, you'd want that opportunity. First thing he says was, as, as soon as he's, he's up is, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So he's already talking about forgiveness for something they don't even know what they're doing. And then there's the thief on the cross, which is an entire That's a lesson on its own. Um, here he is hung between two thieves. And what I find interesting going back, I always imagine when, the, when the, he was hung, he was way up high. That cross was high. You always see the, cro- the three mm-hmm. crosses. I see it now setting this that it's more eye level. One as you're being crucified, I'm going to look you right in the eye and I'm going to call you every name that I can think of and I'm going to shame you more and I'm going to shame your family. And then they say the, is it the hyssop stick that they put it on? 
was a short stick, so obviously, and they could just uh-huh. feed it to him right there. Or, right. Um, and I, again, I always saw him high, but he was he was high level. I mean, you can almost look down. He's like, man, if I could just get these nails out, I could just jump on the ground. I'm right there. Um, he says, today you shall be with me in paradise. So the thief on the cross, all he did was believe. And he says, when you come into your kingdom, there's no baptism. There's no communion. There, I mean, there's none of that. And he gets in that day. Um, the second one, and I, I never realized what was going on until you restudy it, was, woman, behold thy son, and son, behold thy mother. Jesus was taking care of his duties as a son to his mom while hanging on that cross. So again, he has to go through all that pain just to get enough oxygen to say these things. And what he did in, in the Jewish culture was, it was so all the other disciples left. Talk about being lonely. Jesus was alone. He only had his mom and a disciple. And here he's comforting them. He's like, hey, mom, John's going to take care of you. John, take care of my mom. And the Bible says that she was in his home ever since. So he's fulfilling prophecy and he's taking care of others while he's going through all this pain. And, and the, um, the one, two, three, four, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Jesus became sin. The sinless one became sin. God cannot look upon sin. He's repugnant by sin. He said, I thirst, which was fulfilling prophecy. It is finished because now he knows up until this point, because they're about to think about this. They're about to come and break his legs because of the Passover. This was a special crucifixion because they had to get them off the cross so they can get everything moving because they're not supposed to be doing things during the Passover. It is finished, so he, he's still aware and in control of everything that's going on. And then he gave up his spirit. They didn't kill him. He gave his spirit up because he did that, that breaking of the legs prophecy had to be fulfilled. And what they did was they stabbed him, which they believe is going to be on the right side because when they pulled the spear out, blood and water came out. But he didn't die until he fulfilled the prophecies through all this agony and torment and persecution. And it just blows my mind that we we get upset or it just bothers us that there's all this corruption in the world and we're persecuted and Christians, where we're going to be persecuted. What we believe in is offensive because the Bible is offensive to sin. And every time I think about what he went through and I compare it to my life and what I'm going through I mean come on there's no comparison he did it first he, he led the way for us I think now's a golden opportunity to just broach this topic of you know believing you know there might be people listening to this right now that this could be the first time you heard the story mm-hmm. and you've heard us talk about the idea of surrender and it's just believing that Jesus is the Son of God. And if you <laughs> are watching this and you don't know the gospel narrative, understand that you are loved, you are desired, and that through Christ you are now an adopted son or daughter of the living God. Jesus went through this so that we can have direct connection to God mm-hmm. through Christ. Yes. And through his sacrifice, we now have freedom. No matter what trials we face in this life, we have hope for eternity and we have hope for relationship with the God of all creation because of Christ. All you have to do is believe. That's a great segue in, into this. And the Holy Spirit works 
It's pretty cool. So my niece lives in Charleston, and she sent this thing to our family thread last night of, of, of a church in Charleston passing out these or mailing these things out to different households. And so it has a little, a little blurb of what you can read and stuff about, you know, what what's going on and what kind of what Andy just said. If there's people out there that don't know, you know, about the gospel narrative, it kind of lays it out in this little pamphlet they're, they're handing out. So it, it just starts a bullet point from 1 through 10 on pages in scripture of what really Jesus did for us in the, in the gospel narrative. So Romans 3.23 states we've all sinned. Romans 6.23, the wages or the payment of our sin is what? Death. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for the sinners. Romans 10.9, we confess that you are a sinner to God, believe by faith that Jesus died, pay for a penalty for sin. Then we call on Jesus Christ in prayer to save our soul. John 1.2, receiving Christ brings life eternal. John 3.16, Jesus gave his life for ours. John 5.24, freed from the penalty of sin. John 10.27-29, you cannot lose your salvation. Now, I, I, I believe that, uh, I don't believe in once saved, always saved, but I believe that you didn't lose that salvation at your beginning. You know, you, you come to know Christ, but we cannot, you know, you know, I'm getting that. Yeah. And then John 10, uh, 20, 31, Jesus is the only savior. That's our only savior. That's our only saving grace. There's I, one I way think in. That's a one way in. My works will get me into heaven. Works will not get no. you anywhere. And if they're works without love, then you're wasting your time. One. Um, and so what did he do it for? And it, it's interesting. This is interesting. Christ died for us for Christ also suffered. He wants for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous. He died for us and he died for us just the way we are right now. Mm-hmm. We, there are things that we disagree with. There's things and or social mechanisms in place that I'm completely against, but Christ still died for you. He died for you. It's the old gospel song when he was on the cross or not. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Mm-hmm. You were on his mind just as you are now because you were a child of God created in his image. And the Bible, with some of the, the symbolic stuff that's in it, there's always that cup of wrath, right? Or sent to, picture it this way. In front of God, there is a cup with your name on it, and everything you do is you're filling your cup of wrath with your sin, whatever that is. The longer you go without Christ, the bigger that cup's getting. But Christ, for those who have accepted it, have already drank, he's drank that cup for you. He took it for you. Um. It's got to be drink. That wrath has got to be, there's got to be justice. God, mm-hmm. He's a God, a God of justice. So Christ is drinking it or you're drinking it. But you don't have to. There's a, there's, Jesus wants, wants that cup. He mm-hmm. took that cup. Mm-hmm. He didn't die for all of my sins. He died for my sin, right? With him drinking that cup, we can now experience and drink the cup of his blessings. When we come and we are crucified in him on the cross, we now share that cup, but now it turns into the cup of blessings because he took the cup of wrath. Yes. And it's a free gift that has to be accepted. And some people say it's too easy. They can't buy into it. Uh, if you're one of those that believe it, well, he was here, but he wasn't the son of God. Well, I, I think what we just talked about and all the torture and the pain that he went through, um, if that was any mere man, they to get me down from here now, whatever you got to mm-hmm. do, stop this. Begging to stop. So I think that's proof in the pudding that he was more than just a historical figure he was the son of the living god who was sent here to die for us so that we can have a life and have it more abundantly Mm -hmm. and if you are an analytical mind like jared says he is uh 
you know, some people can struggle with, with this easy truth. Well, look up the case for Christ. You know, read that book, watch the movie. I mean, there was an atheist. Lee Strobel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was there was an atheist uh, um, homicide invest uh, police officer. I think he was. He he investigated homicides, and uh, he dove into it as an atheist to try to prove that there was no Jesus. And what happened? He proved that there was. He got saved. <laughs> he got saved and proved that he, there was a Jesus and had all kinds of evidentiary backup. Yeah. Or as one of my favorite movies, and I don't care, legally blonde, Mansreya. Dude. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Word. So before we go, go ahead. Um, so I just want to, we live in a time and age where people don't defer to Christ, where people don't defer to God, believe that God is God. Uh, you were created in his image, period. And you, all of us, are accountable to the laws and design of God. And a lot of what we talked about comes back to that. It doesn't matter what you think, what you believe, what you know. This is truth. God created us. And as a result of us being his creation, we are subservient to the way that he has designed the world. So if you don't believe in this stuff. He believes in you. (laughs) He really does. Mm -hmm. And. Man, I, somebody help me here. Like, I, I just, I, it's so important that people understand that God is God. Well, this right. is the most important decision Whether you believe that people in make. Whether you believe that God is God or not, God is God. He still believes in you, still loves you. And like Josh said, he didn't, he didn't die for our sins. He died on the cross for sin mm-hmm. because he knows that there is still a future. I mean, Jesus died on the cross for me. I wasn't around. I was not around when Jesus died on the cross, but he still died on the cross for me and my sin because I'm not perfect. Believe it or not, I'm not perfect. (laughs) Write that down. And so there's going to be times where I fall short. And the Bible clearly says we all fall short of the glory. But God, God. like my father always says, be on the right side of the butt. Because (laughs) and and that's it's a great point. It's. It it's it's dumb, <laughs> but it's it's true. Yep. In the Bible, it says all kinds of things. Disaster, disaster, but God. But God. Disaster, disaster, well, but God. We can be a part of that remnant that's left because there is a rem. He always saves a remnant with coals burning to proclaim His kingdom. And I wanted to, I want to end today's episode a little bit differently because um, we're gonna leave the comments open. I think for this one, uh, maybe all of them going forward, just to get some more engagement, and some feedback. Um, but if you don't mind, I was going to lead us in a sinner's prayer. Here's the chance. If you don't know how to pray, um, we'll do we'll do a quick prayer before we end up. Yeah, and that's right. Just let us. Our goal is to promote Jesus, and if we're going to promote Jesus, you got to know what He did for you, and you got to serve it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, but you have a choice. I have to. I can't not see the information that's in front of me and not feel that conviction. And my prayer is that if we've said something, that there's true conviction from the Holy Spirit, because that leads to true salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll do the prayer and then we'll wrap up. Okay. Hold, hold on one second there, chief. <laughs> so we, we obviously covered the crucifixion and, and Jesus died for our sins, sin. And, uh, that's awesome. I mean, if that, if that's all it was for, thank God. But there's also benefits of the crucifixion of the cross, actually benefits of the resurrection, I should say the benefits of the cross. So through that, this is from, Tony Evans, so I'm not going to read it all, so I don't have any copyright issues and things like that. <laughs> but basically, 
I mean, the cross displays five different points according to the study that I did. And the first one is just his, his immeasurable greatness. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can sit there and say, oh, we can bench press 200 pounds or 300 pounds, 400 pounds, and that's all we can do. But with God, there's it's immeasurable. His greatness is immeasurable. And then it, it also gives us a look into Christ's authority. So when, you know, he's now seated at the right hand of, of God. So he's he's got authority. And in Colossians 2, it says that our debt has been, our, our certificate of debt has been erased. So now it's no more. We can't even see it. It's forgotten. Paid in full. Paid in full. Certificate of debt. And we, we, it's also disarmed evil rulers and authority. And this is from Colossians 2. Disarmed the evil rulers, authority, and sin's power over us. You know, we've talked about last week. We're not, we don't want to give the devil too much credit. But evil presence is a, is a real thing. Demonic presence is real. And sin is evil. Sin could have a power over us, but the cross. But the cross. Thank God. Then establishes the cross's authority and power. It, it may be accessed through communion. So we've been, I've been taught all my life. So this is just new, new to me. These aspects of it, and it's not wrong. It's it's absolutely 100 percent correct. But we take communion in remembrance of what Jesus did for us. 100. percent We want to say, this is your body. And going back to the uh, prophetic, his not one bone can be broken. There's a lot of people out there who said, this represents your body that was broken for me. No, no it wasn't. his body was not broken. It was pierced. It was bleeding and all this stuff. But anyway, so we can take the communion. So we, were, we are remembering what Jesus did for us. But guess what else? We're reminding Satan that he yeah. lost. We're reminding Satan that he lost. And the resurrection, that, that uh, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives within us. You know, we have that same power. It gives us reason to praise. Uh, because now when we are, when we accept that free gift of salvation, we are now seated at the right hand, right next to Christ. But it also provides us, um, victory over our enemies. When we fully understand the power that the cross gives us, when we fully understand that and are able to access it, you know, we're still going to have troubles. We're still going to have these things, but God, because there's a lot of people out there that bad things happen. What am I going to do now? You know, and we talked, I think last week we need to pray from a stance of victory because the victory is already been won. And that's, it's hard to do sometimes. I I get it. And when you're going through things, it's hard to say this, this battle is just a temporary thing and and Mm -hmm. the victory, but we got, we got to train ourselves. We got to renew our mind to say the war is won. Victory is ours. And without the resurrection, nothing mattered. But he was resurrected to, to conquer death so that we could have eternal life. And uh, it's humbling to even dive back through this stuff. And we've heard these stories as, as, as since childhood, most of us. And every time, it gets you every every time. But uh, Ryan's going to lead us in a, a quick prayer. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you out of here. So this is this is just sprung on me. So are we going to do this? Like, am I going to lead a sinner's prayer yep. for people and give them yep. like, okay. So if you are listening, and the goal of our show is to relay Jesus and His goodness, and if there's if there's listeners that have not given their heart to the Lord, this is what we're doing. We're going to give you an opportunity 
And all you have to do is believe in your heart. And you can say your own prayer or you can use the guideline that, that I want to do. But, you know, it's, it's really easy steps. Yep. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you today. Thank you that you died on the cross for us. Lord, we confess with our mouth the sins that we have in our lives that are holding us back from you. We pray that you forgive us and we accept you into our heart and we pray that you transform us into your likeness and into your image. We thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of our sins. Come live in my heart so that I may serve you better. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners and our subscribers. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with uh, the current Do Talk events and our latest posts and things of that nature. So for the Yes Man, Jared, for MK, Andy, uh, for Mr. Ryan, and of course our host, Mr. Josh, I'm Nick. This has been Mountaineer Kingdom Dude Talk, Real Men, Manly Talk. Every time. The one day he does it too.